Okay, here we are again, outside, walking through the graveyard. And I want to talk today about the future. And some of the concerns that I've noticed online about people um, asking about the future, what's going to happen, what do you think is going to happen? And a lot of people are really focusing on making predictions. And I think this whole idea of predictions is coming from the same basic concern. Am I going to be okay? Is my family going to be okay? That sort of thing. Um, how can I survive really is the question, I think, that is behind that question about the future. What do you predict? And most of these guys, they have no idea what's going to happen. And let's face it, we're sitting in a situation right now in the world in 2020, June 1st, today. Got to turn around. We're approaching Birdland here. The situation we're facing is totally unprecedented in human history. And so we don't have any template to consult from history about what to do next. So we're left kind of guessing about what's going to happen, which I don't think is a very good exercise. It doesn't work. So I want to talk about the key skill in this, in this new age into which we're just now emerging. We're just emerging into a new age when we're actually now required to exercise our own leadership with ourselves. If we look at the word govern, or at least the origin of the word, what is with this camera, folks? What is it doing? It used to work. It used to track my face quite well, but uh, okay. It likes to just do something else. Okay, we're getting, I'm gonna have to edit that last part out. Um, anyway, where was I? Oh yeah, we're merging into a time when leadership is actually a requirement for human beings. It's a requirement. It's a necessity. And a big part of exercising leadership and being a leader is doing something about your own future. Not asking others, gee, what's the future? What does the future hold? What do you predict? But actually creating your own future into which your life will unfold as a kind of trajectory, as a kind of destination. So back to the word govern there. I had a bit of a technical glitch with my camera. But the word govern essentially means uh, to steer, as in um, a helmsman on a ship who uh, has got that big wheel in his hands and he's able to move the wheel and control the direction of the ship. That's basically it. So we're living in a, in a time, in an era today, I believe, when being your own captain of your own ship is not just an option. We, we, we can't afford to allow others to dictate to us anymore what the future will bring. Because that really represents no future at all. If you default into doing what others expect you to do, living into the same basic future as they want you to live into, well, you're going to wind up having no future at all. So in our modern world today, in 2020, you're going to have to find a way to create your own future. And this might seem a little mysterious to you, because it seems mysterious to me, about how this works. But I, I think the best way for me to explain it 
I got somebody calling me. I don't know. It's to look at a movie, okay? Because just about the entire process of leadership is portrayed in the movie Back to the Future. The original one, though, from 1985 with uh, Michael J. Fox and Crispin something or other. I'm going to turn around here. Um, and if you're not familiar with the story, it's the story of a young man in 1985 who ends up getting tangled with a, a scientist who develops a time machine. And the young man accidentally gets thrown back to 1955, 30 years before, where he actually ends up meeting up with his mom and dad when they were much younger. And the whole story goes about, uh, goes around this no notion of having to get back to the future again. Um, but the interactions between Marty, the 1985 version of Marty, and the 1955 version of George, to me, reveal in exquisite detail what it takes to actually move your life into a new direction. If you remember, now hopefully you've watched the movie, I'm not gonna destroy it for you, but if you remember the movie, at the beginning, the, the father was just a washed up nobody being pushed around still by the same guy who was bullying him back in high school. And then at the end of the movie was this amazing outcome, this amazing new future where the dad was achieving his dream of published, being a published author and his mom was looking sharp and they were happy and they had wonderful you know, relationships and just a complete transformation if you think about it and the quality of their lives. And if you really study the interactions between, like I said, 85 Marty and 55 George, you realize that's what it takes. Because you want to think about leadership as a kind of conspiracy, if you will, between a future, a future, okay, that's created, and you. So literally the future somehow is communicating with you. You want to think about it that way. And in a way, you yourself have to kind of stand there in that future and find a way to sit there so that you can know what to do right here and now. So if you are clear about the future you want to live into, the future, how it looks, how it sounds, you can then have a lot of clarity about how you need to act right now today in order to realize that future. Now, let's remember when Marty went back to 1955, just by sheer fluke, he just happened to meet up with his dad in that cafe scene, remember? And the dad, you could, you could just see, is a, is a schmuck. He's a, he's a loser. He's sitting there getting beaten on by this group of bullies. One of them uh, was named Biff. And, and just, you could just see that this guy's whole future is going to unfold the same way if he doesn't do anything about it. Marty realized that he had to intervene with his dad, though, and try to convince his dad to ask his future mom or his future wife to go to this enchantment under the sea dance but you see George didn't want to okay he didn't want to change anything about his life and it's not that he didn't want to do something he didn't like the way his life turned out he didn't like being bullied I mean, he, he didn't want Biff to, to, to molest Lorraine uh, in, in the cafeteria but the fact is his fear was so overpowering his fear of taking action was far greater than any desire he may have had to, to, to do anything about it. Because he was locked into this situation where he had literally no future. 
at that point. But here comes Marty, this voice from the future, right? Telling him, look, George, you got to get in there and ask Lorraine. George wanted nothing to do with Marty, if you think about it. And this is typical of the human being who's looking at a possibility of a new idea and just rejects it outright. This is so typical of, of human behavior is we see a new idea, we hear about a new idea, and our first reaction is to say, get out of here. Nobody from this planet is going to convince me to do anything other than what I'm already doing. No, nobody from this planet is going to change my mind, I think is George's line at that time. And of course, Marty comes in dressed like Darth Vader from Planet Vulcan and threatens to melt George's brain if he doesn't go out uh, and ask Lorraine for a date. And at that point, George just shifted his, his entire set of priorities, okay? He said, okay, fine. I don't want to have my brain melted by Darth Vader, so I'm going to do whatever it takes to ask Lorraine out for that uh, dance. And he completely just forgot about his fear of, of rejection, okay? Even his fear of Biff for the moment. Because at that time, he was totally committed then to realizing that new future. He was completely and utterly motivated at that time. And so you, in this position you're in, you need to find a way to almost kind of deceive yourself a little bit and to play games if you have to with yourself because knowing your first reaction will be to reject a new idea, to reject a new plan that is in, is in your best interest even. You may have to deceive yourself a little bit to get yourself moving in that new direction. Eventually though, of course, George did ask out Lorraine and his whole life came down to one moment when he stood up to Biff in that car scene when yet again Biff was molesting Lorraine. And instead of backing away like he usually did, he stood up and punched him out and his whole life changed from that point forward. He demonstrated with action that he was committed to that new future. That new future where he was a successful author, where he had a happy wife and a happy marriage and a successful family and all that kind of stuff. So, whoops, come on back. So a lot of the details of, of leadership are not mentioned in the movie, of course. They're not mentioned in the movie. So the question becomes, how do you create a new future for yourself? Um, you're not just going to have a, a, a Marty show up in your life and try to convince you what to do. Obviously, that's, that's, an, that's a device used in a movie to help people visualize what's going on. But in real life, it doesn't work that way. The only way to create a new future, in my opinion, is to spend time every single day imagining it, talking about it, talking about it to yourself. And there actually is one scene from Back to the Future where we get a little bit of a hint about what it takes. There's that other character, Goldie. Uh, he was uh, basically a clerk working in the cafe a young black man in 1955, and Marty just kind of looks at him and goes, yeah, he's going to be mayor. And Goldie looks there, and he didn't reject the idea. If you take a look at that scene, he, he, immediately he went into, yeah, okay, I can, you can just see he's, he's, he's imagining it right there, right? He's, he's picturing himself as mayor in the future. And right there, he accepts the idea. He talks himself into it. Someday, I'm going to be mayor and uh, clean up this town. 
And it didn't matter what the other guy said. I think his boss said, well, yeah, sure, yeah, colored mayor, yeah, that's gonna happen. But Goldie didn't allow the speech of other people to dissuade him, okay? He kept on talking about it. Yeah, I'm gonna be mayor. I'm gonna be mayor. I'm gonna be mayor. And he talked himself into a new future, literally. And I believe that's exactly what you and I need to do. We need to just ignore what's going on, the crazy stuff in the world, whatever that is. We can't be relying on these so-called experts or pundits to predict the future, forecast, tell us how bad it's going to be. Because if we do, I mean, that literally becomes the future into which we will live our lives. We will end up being in that crappy future. So now more than ever, we need to exercise leadership with ourselves, do our own thinking, exercise our own imaginations, exercise speech with ourselves in order to talk ourselves into a new future, to imagine ourselves living into a new future. That's already done. That's the key. You've got to think of the future. It's already done. It's a fait accompli. It's an already done deal. So when you imagine a future that's already done, that's a strange noise, and effectively you're, you're standing in that future, looking back now here to the present, a clear path will emerge. Clear ideas will come to you. And so there's that great scene in Back to the Future. Like the, I call it the laundry scene, where you've got George and Marty. George is finally woken up. He's finally listening. He's saying, okay, just, ah, oh, Marty, tell me what I've got to do, okay? And Marty gave him the plan right there. And there they were outside as, as George was hanging up the laundry there. And Marty was rehearsing the plan with George. Okay, where are you going to be? Okay, I'm going to be at the dance. Where, I'm going to be in the car with Lorraine and so on and so on. And this, I believe, is exactly how leadership takes place. You're somehow on the receiving end of a plan through some mysterious method, which I don't think any human being really understands. But nonetheless, you're on the receiving end of a plan. A plan comes to you. And if you are listening and you're open and you are accepting of that plan, when you take action on that plan, your whole life changes and shifts into a new direction. But you can't receive the plan if you're not listening, if you're not willing to put aside whatever prejudices or notions or beliefs that you've already got about how you can't do it, oh, how that's impossible, or that's never going to happen, or let me tell you all the reasons why that's not going to work. If you're in a state of mind when you get the plan that it's open, you will be motivated to act on that plan, no matter what other people say. And so now the question becomes, how do you get to the point where you become open like George was at that, during that scene with the laundry? Well, I think it starts by being authentic about who you are what your life is all about. Being brutally honest with yourself, if you need to be, about some of the lies you've been telling to yourself 
that all this time you've been wanting to be true. A lot of them, a lot of the, the lies that we end up living, we, we basically, oh, you know, it's, what is going on? Hello, okay. The lies we accept typically start out when we're young. You know, and we're looking at the world from a, a childish perspective as a four-year-old, five-year-old, six-year-old. And uh, we make decisions about who we are or about how the world is as five-year-olds. Um, and we simply do not have the kind of intelligence that we need or the experience uh, to make intelligent decisions about who we are and how the world is. Unfortunately, we don't know that at the time. And we end up defaulting our lives to live according to these decisions we made whoops, a long time ago. And so long as you're not aware of these decisions that you've made a long time ago, that you're still making your life all about, then you will continue to be dominated by them. Like you can't do anything about a decision that you're not even aware of that you made. Does that make any sense? So if you're unaware of having made the decision, then you have no power to change it or to do anything about it. You're just going to be stuck, dominated by it your whole life. So you, first, you've got to be authentic. You've got to get real about yourself, who you are, and how your life turned out, and what your life is really all about. If you think about George, what was his life really all about? His life was all about just not getting rejected. If you think about it, he spent all of his effort doing whatever he can just to not be rejected. And that came out in his stories. I mean, uh, when he was sitting with Marty at the cafeteria, Marty found out for the first time, oh, you've never done anything creative. But his dad actually was creative, writing stories at that time. But of course, he refused to share them with anyone because his life was all about just not being rejected. And so long as he made his life about not being rejected, well, number one, of course, he's never going to attempt to get his work published or even reviewed by someone else. And of course, he's never going to approach a woman like Lorraine, ask her out, get married, have a family. See, this is the whole point of the war that we found ourselves in. Again, if you read John Boyd's work, he's very plain about this. It's the whole objective of war, the key to success, is to get the enemy... Okay, this thing is really not doing well today, this camera. I'm not sure why, but if you want to win the war, the key to success is to get your enemy to fold in upon himself, to withdraw into himself, and to separate him from all of his support networks. To literally isolate him and force him to exist as an autonomous, independent entity. And that's exactly how George was living his life. As this solo, loner, isolated thing, whose life, the mission of his whole life was about not being rejected. And so in that regard, he was very successful, right? I mean, when you think about his life from that perspective, he was very good at not being rejected. But of course, making your life all about that purpose leads to a life that doesn't work. Leads to a life that he wound up having 
1985 at the beginning of the movie. That's what you get when you make your life all about not being rejected. But when you make your life all about the realizing of a, of a new future, of a creative future, that you had to actually sit down and imagine and talk yourself into, well, that's where new possibilities can show up in your life. Where it becomes possible now to publish your own book, to become a successful published author, or it becomes possible to, to get married and, and to have children and have a, a good quality family life and so on and so on. But it's up to you, it's up to me, it's up to each one of us to exercise that prerogative, that privilege, to do our own thinking, to imagine our own future, to create it for ourselves, to come back to it every single day, talk ourselves into it again and again. So really self-help, when you think about it, is not all that complex. Most of it, as far as I can tell, was revealed by a guy named Emil Kuwait back in 19-aught-whatever, 1912, was it? He was a Frenchman who did a great job just telling people that all you got to do twice a day is recite the same mantra to yourself, I think it was 20 times just prior to getting up, 20 times just before going to bed. I think it went something like, every day in every way, I'm getting better and better. And when you say that to yourself, just before you wake up, you're existing at a level of consciousness where that editor part of you, that critical part of you, can't really intervene and kill the idea. Your neurology, apparently, at that level of consciousness becomes more impressionable. Likewise, when you're going to bed, you're, you're again approaching that consciousness state between full waking and, and sleep where your body, your, your neurology is just more, more impressionable. You do that every day, morning and night. You say it with conviction. And before long, you find yourself acting and being. <laughs> this thing is driving me nuts. Why is it doing that? Let's, can I go like this? Okay, as I was saying, okay. So before long, maybe a month or two, you find yourself acting in ways that you weren't acting before. You find yourself being the kind of person that you'd never been before. It's very mysterious how this works. But again, it goes back to what Goldie was doing in the cafe that one day. He talked himself into a new future. He envisioned it for himself. He didn't stop and go, oh, I don't know. I'm, a I'm just a black dude. There's never been a black dude as a mayor before, so uh, I bet, yeah, that, well, never, never mind. He didn't do that. Instead, he went, yeah, I like that. I'm going to go with that. That's way better than what I'm doing now. Why not, he says. Sure, I'll be mayor. And, but, but I don't believe in real life that's necessarily how it happens exactly, because you and I are, are just so in love with our excuses about how stuff isn't going to work and why it's not going to happen, blah, 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 blah. And we're so committed to realizing the same crappy results over and over again that uh, we're probably not going to accept new ideas quite as readily as Goldie did. At least not, not if you're like me, okay? 
it might take a very long time to accept the idea that I might be a success, that I might have a good family, or I might be mayor, or I might be a successful YouTuber, or whatever it is. But I believe it does, it does happen inevitably if you exercise this kind of language habit where you're talking yourself into this new future day after day after day. You know, and eventually, the soft tissue of your, of your brain, I believe, it gives in and it yields to the word, to the speech. I believe that God has given us this amazing connection between speech and flesh. There's somehow a connection between the metaphysical speaking and the physical reality of our brains. So somehow, through speech, we can influence the very structure and shape of our brains. And if you read a little bit about brain science, and this goes back to what's his name? Uh, 1890-ish. James, his name I think was. He came up with a book called um, Psychology, a briefer course. He has a great chapter there on habit. And basically it boils down to the physical structure of the brain is the direct basis of all of your actions. If you don't have a structure in your brain corresponding to a certain kind of action or way of being, you can't access that action. You cannot access that way of being. So, if that's true, and I think it is, then the question becomes, do we as human beings have any power to influence the structure of our brains? And once again, I believe the answer is yes, we do, through speech. Now, not just any speech, it's going to have to be repetitive speech. Same message, again and again. Why do you think advertising is so repetitive, folks? Think about it. Somebody out there knows what's going on. They're hammering images and messages into your brain <laughs> through repetition and association. Think about it. You need to do the very same thing with your own neurology. Through exercising speech of your own that lines up with the kind of future that you want to have. Day after day, you're saying the same basic message. It doesn't have to be complex, like Goldie, you know. I'm going to be mayor. I'm going to be mayor. You know, how many words is that? Four or five words, you know? And then saying it in a way that is, let's say, it's, uh, what do you call it? It's imbued with emotion. It's, it's saturated with emotion. So you're not just kind of sitting there describing things in an objective, scientific way, okay? You're, you're seeing them almost like you're reading poetry, like you're getting your whole heart and soul into it, saying it with such conviction. Yeah, I'm going to be whatever, you know? Like Goldie was. He watched that scene, okay? He was into it. He was fully engaged with that idea, with his whole mind and body. And that's the way that you and I need to talk to ourselves about this new future at the same time. Yeah. But maybe we're not going to get there today or tomorrow. That's why you want to do what uh, QA was uh, recommending. You want to start small with this languaging stuff. <laughs> and if you don't believe me that this power of language is real, ask yourself, why is Harry Potter so popular? Why is it? I mean, it's a fantasy book. It has no basis in reality, right? Well, I argue that no, it has a, a tremendous basis in reality. And the whole idea of magic really revolves around spells. And if you look at the word, hello, let's come back. Look at the word spell in English. It just means putting words together, right? Hey, spell your name, you know, like, 
you're going to put your, your, your words together with letters, right? And that's exactly what Harry Potter's doing. He's exercising speech to produce results in the world, yeah? Now, of course, that's not how it really works in the world. I mean, you don't just say, hey, obliviate, and then, you know, stuff happens. There's, of course, some tremendous embellishment there about how the world really works. But the part about the human exercising speech, now, now that is something that does exist in the real world. That is something that you and I can do. The difference, of course, between Harry Potter and the real world is that's all you and I can do, as it turns out. This camera is... Woo! It's all over the place! I'm gonna go like this again. There's some trees for you, folks. Gonna bring it back again. <laughs> Reset the uh, centering. I don't know, maybe it's low battery. Uh, it's kind of like Baymax from the movie. I am healthcare. We jumped out a window. Where was I? Oh yeah, so the part about Harry Potter that's accurate is the part about speech. Spelling, casting spells, literally making words that come out of your mouth. That's the part that's absolutely accurate. And it's part of the power that we've been given to influence the very structure of our brains. And the way our brains are structured has a direct impact on our actions and behavior. Think about it. And even though you and I don't directly make results happen in the world, the results that we experience in the world, in life, are directly correlated with, number one, the thoughts that we think, the speech that we exercise, and the very structure of our brains. Our brains, in theory, are literally in tune with a particular outcome or future. There's many futures. Now, your brain needs to be set up in such a way that it's tuned in with a very particular future, the future that you want. Don't allow your brain to default into a, a crappy default past future where you're going to relive the same crap day after day. It's kind of like letting a garden just go without any attention, and it just gets taken over and overrun by weeds. No, 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 get in there. Tend to the weeds. Get those weeds out of there. It, it, you know, improve the quality of the soil. Plant some seeds of your own. Grow your own crops. This is what doing your own thinking is all about. Doing your own thinking, speaking for yourself, creating a new future for yourself that you want for yourself, your family, and others. And that's really what free speech is really all about, folks, in my opinion. What people forget is that even though a government may outlaw free speech or prevent you from making a post on a certain social media website, you can still exercise your speech with yourself in order to live into a new future, okay, of your own choosing. You know, that old poem. I think it was, uh, I am the captain of my ship. Wait, I am the, oh man, I forgot it. I'm the master of my ship, the captain of my soul. I, maybe I got it wrong. I think the author's name was Henley. Anyway, that's about all I got to say about that because this camera is literally driving me insane. <laughs> it's like I'm chasing it around. It wants to photograph the, the freaking birds and whatnot. I think the metering is all wrong. I think that's what I ended up doing. It's trying to track stuff behind me. So I'm sorry, folks, if the focus is bad or whatever. I'm still learning how to do this video camera business. But uh, 
that's all I gotta say for now about that. Again, exercising speech with yourself, convincing yourself about the possibility of living into a new future. That's where it's at. I'll see you later. Thanks for listening.